Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the international best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. This is a special episode today. It's a video episode. And if you're watching this on YouTube, you already know. If you're listening on your favorite podcast station and you want to see this conversation, feel free to go to YouTube. Just type in We Don't Die Radio 337. Simple and easy. Our guest today is Paul Jacobs, internationally renowned medium and spiritualist. Paul was personally trained in mediumship by Gordon Higginson, who is one of the finest mediums the world has ever known. Paul is a course organizer and tutor at the Arthur Findlay College and House of Spirit and travels worldwide, publicly demonstrating and teaching mediumship so that as many people as possible discover the reality of life after death and the change that knowledge can bring to their own lives. You can visit his website at mediumpauljacobs.com or follow him on Facebook, Paul Spiritual Medium. Paul Jacobs, welcome to We Don't Die Radio. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, Sandra. Thanks for the invitation. Oh, it's so great. We met unofficially a few years back at Arthur Finley College. I said hello to you in the hall. I've seen you demonstrate. And for me, you just... You're just a magnificent medium person. I haven't gotten to study with you yet, but I couldn't be more thrilled that we get to talk today. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward. Yeah. I enjoy sharing. Oh, I'm so glad. Well, this is a question that people may not often ask you, but how did you get started in this whole world? Would you mind just taking us back to the beginning? Also, it's, it's, a long, it's, it's a long story, but I'll try to shorten it. Um, at different times in my life, I had uh, experiences as a young boy and a young man, um, not realising that I was a medium. I just thought it was the places I was residing in at that time were haunted and they were ghosts. And then when I came to my uh, mid-20s, these experiences um, sort of became intensive and they were very objective experiences. And I actually scared the living daylights out of me. I'd even get up in the middle of the night and book myself in a hotel. And uh, then one day I was walking down this road, which I'd walked down many times before, and suddenly stopped and turned and saw this building which said Spiritualist Church, and the lights were on and people were going in. So I thought, oh, I'll go in and see what's going on there. I had no clue what was going to happen. And these two ladies came onto the platform, one which I know now is the president of the church, and the other lady was the medium. And as they sat there, I looked at the uh, lady who was the medium, and I thought, I know that lady from somewhere. And halfway through the uh, demonstration, she came to me with a contact. And then through that contact, she suddenly stopped, and she says, I know you, don't I? And I said, yes. And she said, you're Alfie's son. And I said, yes, that's correct. And she says, um, it's not fair for me to carry on giving you a contact publicly. I'll have a word with you afterwards. And the medium turned out to be my father's great aunt. Wow. And um, Sorry, not my father's great aunt, my great aunt, my father's aunt. And um, about six weeks later, she rang me and she says, are you still going to the church? I said, I have been, but I'll be honest, I don't think it's for me. It's a little bit rubbishy what I'm hearing. Um, I don't think much to it. And she said, well, um, on Sunday, I'm going to Longton Spiritualist Church, Gordon Higginson's church, which meant nothing to me. She says, would you like me to come? Uh, would you like to come with me? So I said, yes, I'll come with you. And when we got to the church, Gordon Higginson was standing outside. Um, and she introduced me to him and we shook hands. And I heard these words in my mind, you're going to become friends. Okay. And six weeks later, my aunt passed, and I went to the funeral service, which the crematorium was only 10 minutes down the road, and I arrived two hours early. I parked my car and looked over, and there was Gordon Higginson sitting in his car. Mm -hmm. He was going to be taking the service, and he invited me to sit with him, and he says, young man, I can help you. And that was the beginning and the start of my, my journey. Oh, that's incredible. I've heard just magnificent stories of Gordon Higginson and uh, the few that are around teaching his principles, and you're one of them, so I was excited to. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest with you, if uh, I might sound wrong in one way, but 
I think if I had not met him at the beginning of my journey, I don't think I would have stayed in this um, subject. You know, we have to accept there's some wonderful things that this movement has to offer, and there are some wonderful mediums, but we also have to accept there's the not so good, and sometimes that can be a little bit uh, too great and too much. Um, so I was fortunate then through, like Gordon, um, being becoming meeting and becoming friends with those who worked with him and around him. They all seemed to befriend me, you know, so I had so much love, encouragement and support from these people. So you became friends and you started going to the church and then at some point did you start sitting in circle and or well, I, I went. I decided because um, what was happening, I was getting these contacts each week um, asking me to uh, say one day I would be on the platform doing this work. And I thought they were all a little bit crazy, to be honest with you. And um, so it got so intense of, of having the same message all the time. I decided to um, book to go to the college and one of Gordon Higginson's weeks. And um, on the first evening, the introduction, he said, we're not going to have an introduction. We're going to begin work straight away. Can I have a volunteer to come out and work? And nobody volunteered. And he said, you're all a waste of time. I don't know why you bothered coming. You've been given an opportunity and you don't take it. Paul, out you come. So out I came. And at that stage, I hadn't sat in any classes. All I was doing was sitting in a group for um, um, self-awareness and self-development. Because mm-hmm. Gordon Higginson believed that was the foundation to begin your development with. And also building and finding a recognition and a relationship with that power of God that's within you. So that was the first stage. But actually on mediumistic awareness and psychic exercises, I'd done nothing. Okay. So... I came out onto the platform and he said, I would like you to make a contact. I says, me, I don't know how to do it. And he gave me no instructions. You know, he didn't say, right, relax yourself through your breathing, extend your aura, do this. He just, I said, I don't know what to do. He says, just ask who's there. And this is why I teach what I teach. Without um, having any previous knowledge or understanding, my mind went down to the depths of my soul and simply just cried out to God, help, give me what this man wants. And I heard the words father in my head. Uh, I didn't know whether it was the spirit world or not. And I had no problem expressing it because I wasn't scared of it not being the spirit world because I'd actually gone to prove I wasn't a medium. So um, so um, I said, it's somebody's father. So he said, and who would he like to speak to? And I said, I don't know. He says, ask and allow their power to move you to where they want to go. So I did the same process again. This one lady in the audience seemed to stand there, this young blonde lady. And I said, the lady there. And she says, yes, my father's in the spirit world. And then Gordon Higginson said, and what does he want to say? Now, he didn't give me a shopping list. Describe them. How did they die? What was their personality character? What do they want to say? And that's so important. So, again, I did the same process, went to the depths of my soul, asked, and the words came into my mind, I've only just passed, and I've left my daughter half a million pounds in my will. And she says, yes, that's correct. But what more simpler? Mm-hmm. Go mm-hmm. to awaken that God power, ask God who's there, who they want to speak to, what do they want to say? If we all learn that simple thing right from the beginning, we wouldn't have the pro- problems and difficulties in our mediumship as we do today, and we'd have a better quality of mediumship. That's a great story and so simple. And yes, simple. You I must have been shocked when the woman said yes, because that's yeah. half a million pounds. Yeah, yeah. You know, is that my uh, imagination? But it, it was real. But, but this is what you this is what I mean. And this, you know, see what's happened over the years with mediumship, and I've been at fault with it as well. Mm-hmm. Is that you know because the students are wanting to so much know all the mechanics of it, and then we're trying to structure is important, yeah, and giving them all these techniques and structures. But what we've done is taken away the naturalness, mm-hmm. and even I had to waken myself up about that and that's why quite often when I go to demonstrations you hear the same style the same type of evidence time and time and time 
again, you know. Um, like, so some of the tutors I and teach uh, tutors I've trained and teachers I've trained, you know, um, they used to say to me, uh, "Paul, we're going to come into your demonstration." I say, "Oh, you've seen me enough times." And they said, "No, we want to come." And I said, "Why?" Because we find it interesting the way you begin a contact. And I said, what do you mean? They said, with you, you never know what you're going to begin with. Mm. It's so different. You don't have a set pattern of what evidence is going to come. And I don't, because when I work for the spirit world and ready to work, I just simply say, I surrender, I trust. Bring me whatever evidence you want to bring in whatever way. I can receive it. So I don't decide what evidence I want and I don't decide the way I'm going to receive it. They know what to bring and they know what I'm capable of receiving through which faculty at that particular time. Oh, that's great. I, how do I ask this question? From your experience, those in the spirit world, are we still real people? Do we have a helper <laughs> teaching us how to communicate? Do we do it through our okay. thoughts? So when we when we're working communicating with people's uh, loved ones, um, I believe in very much trying to get a soul to soul blending. So it's as if they're not possessing you, but it's as if there's that merging of the souls of you and the communicator, and it's as if within you you become the essence and the power of them. You can even take on their mannerisms um, with it, and and then we can bring that. Um, you know, the essence of them, the quality of them, um, how that maybe relationship was lived and shared between the communicator and the recipient. But then I believe then we have the helpers, guides, or whatever you wish to call them, who will then, when there is maybe more specific particular type of evidence to get across, they will then sometimes bring that in um, through the clairvoyance and the clairaudience. Yeah, I don't believe personally that when we cross over that we have all knowledge of the entire universe. Certainly not, certainly not. Um, I think a lot of spiritualists are going to be in for a little bit of a shock, to be honest with you. Um, you know, so if we look, uh, when we physically die, we have this etheric body, then which is a replica of the physical body without the, um, the disease. So we, we are in a level of consciousness or a world and um, that is called the etheric world, which is a replica of this world. So within that etheric world, there's still many, many different levels of awareness and consciousness. And I believe um, the etheric world is a copy of this world. So for those of us who have not maybe fulfilled our full earthly time, we can still in that world fulfill that we didn't have the time to manifest within this world so if you've got a son in the spirit world who was you know having to be a professional footballer and they got a talent he can continue and to fulfill that that potential and that and that dream and i also think it's a place of adjustment as well so what we've got to look at even though it's a, uh, the spirit world is a state of being and mind. The etheric world is as real and solid to our family in the spirit world as this one is to you and me. So you know, so you know, we've got to realise. Um, I, I, I was fortunate. The spirit world people took me through the process of what it was like to die and move into the spirit world. And when I moved into the aesthetic world, it wasn't clairvoyance. It actually took me through the process and the experience. And um, so when I arrived at the level of the etheric world, um, I was conscious of my father and uh, able to meet my father. Then I heard this voice, one of the guides, say to me, Paul, we'd like you to come with us. And I says, no, thank you. I'm staying here. I want to stay here with my father. And I said, no, you cannot. I said, well, can my father come with us? And they said, no. Where we want to take you, the light will be too bright for him. So they took me to another level of consciousness, which my father wasn't ready to reach. So I'm in this physical world, he's in the spirit world, and I could still reach a higher level of consciousness in the spirit world than my father could. So it, it all depends on the levels of consciousness we reside in and expressing will depend on, on, on our own development and expression and consciousness of our own, own spirits. That makes and, sense. 
I would think someone who was maybe even an atheist or didn't believe in anything, when they arrive in the spirit world, it might take a little adjustment to say, oh, this is real. And so I get it. And so what we do in life really could can impact who we are hereafter. That's right. And this is why spiritualists, once we have the knowledge and understanding we have, actually we have a greater responsibility and personal responsibility to live to the highest thing that is within us, to the best of our Ability, okay, we're human, we're still going to have frailties, we're not going to be able to express it um, um, perfectly, but we need to start that process here and now within this life, not wait until we're physically alive to be able to grow and um, perfect that expression of the spirit, which is that something divine, that power we know and understand of God that's within us all. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I know we i often say we're souls having a human experience and we'll be souls when we our body dies but can you talk a little bit about that god source or the divinity inside us and tapping into yes that? sir so, certainly so what we've got to look at we've got the physical body then behind the physical body we've got the etheric body and numerous lighter bodies which we shed um as we grow and progress in the expression and then we have the soul and we may get, to, we'll get to a stage eventually where we will lose shape and form, but we will still have individuality because we'll be purely soul. And then the soul is the vehicle of the spirit and the emotion and the higher mind and consciousness. Because as mediums, we're supposed to give evidence that there's another mind, another intelligence behind that communication. So the mind of the spirit within the soul is nothing to do with the brain or the physical body. And I believe within each of us, there is that God particle that each of us have to touch. And I believe every true medium has to touch that God part at least once. And it's by touching that God particle, we awaken that power of the spirit. I believe it's the same power that runs through you, me, the bird, the flower and the tree. But then that power is individualized in its expression through our soul's journey. And it's, I don't believe we're here to perfect the spirit. But if that spirit is of something of God, then that perfection is already there. It is being able to express that perfection, that something divine, in every action, in our thoughts, in our feelings, in our words, in our deeds. And like I say, none of us are going to make that perfect. But it's being able to recognise, and, and this is very much the point that, I, that Gordon was, um, and also very much he tried to get across to me, was this reality of this living power that's divine that we know as God. But for you to be part of your dad, he believed in making God your best friend, sharing all that you are all the time with God. And um, just a little funny story. We were doing and um, taking the platform in the church uh, ready for the Harvest Festival. So him and myself were putting all the produce out. And he was at the one end and I was at the other end. And it was quite a large platform, so quite a distance. And I'd got down to this last bag of oranges. And every time I put the last orange on, they all fell off. Okay. And I, I tried several times and I was cussing and swearing under my breath. And then all of a sudden I heard Gordon say, Paul. And I turned around and he looked at me and he says, don't swear at them. Now, he didn't physically hear me swear. He says, speak to them with love. They are seeds of God. And he walked over, he picked the last orange up, placed it there, and they just stayed perfectly. I know it seems a little silly story, but it, it, but that was his conviction of him living the power and the relationship of God. And that was the difference with him. It wasn't just the quality of his mediumship. It was the power that was there and that emanated from him. You know, when he used to come to the Arthur Finley College, say maybe partway through the course, you could feel the atmosphere begin to change as he got closer to the college. 
it, it, it was un, un, unbelievable. You know, um, you'd only have to be within his company, in his presence, and you'd feel something different. It, it's, and I'm not exaggerating. You know, even even my mother, who's a strong Catholic lady, and uh, sometimes she'd say to me, oh, "Are you going to church today, Paul?" And I'd say, "Yes," and she'd say, "Is Gordon Higginson going to be there?" And I'd say, "Yes," but he's not taking the service. And she says, "That's okay." And she says, "I'll come with you." I said, "Mom, why does he have to be there? He's not taking the demonstration or the speaking." She says, "Paul, I only have to see him standing there, and doesn't matter how ill I feel or how depressed I am, I feel well again." That's beautiful. That that was the power he had. Well, not everyone watching this is go wants to be a medium, of course, and people might be. 18, they might be 80, and I think sometimes people don't realize where they are is perfect. How can we get in touch with that God source within us and and what what our soul is meant to do with the days we still have left? That, that's, a, that's a very good point to bring to, to bring up, you see, because, um, you know, this um, recognizing this power and developing this power and uh, having this relationship with it and with God is not just for mediums. Actually, it's what the message of mediumship is all about. Yes, we're here, and, and I'd love to be able to help those who are grieving um, for that physical loss. Yes, help people who are, who are sick with a healing touch. Yes, maybe help people who've got problems and difficulties. But the greater message is, and behind the mediumship, and this is where often we're failing, and I, I will do so myself as well, so please, I'm not just speaking about anybody else. If mediumship is doing its real job, serving its real purpose, it is through that communication from spirit to my spirit, touching and awakening the spirit of the reality, uh, the spirit of the uh, recipient. So they will then have a change take place and make them search to find their own reality of that power of the eternal spirit and how it can be part of their life and help them in their life. Because it is through that expression of the power, you know, um, and we want this, you know, we don't want everybody to be mediums. God help us if everybody was. Um, we don't want that. We want people in all walks of life, whether it's somebody expressing that power simply as being the most wonderful mother in the world, our politicians, our businessmen, our teachers, our medical profession, if they could do it with all the, all express with that power of that divinity that's there and the source behind it all. What a difference. And if we can also individually, you don't have to be a medium, can develop that power, it will all, and listen to that silent, still intuitive voice within the soul. We could actually make all mediums redundant. We don't need them. And because then the spirit world can help us individual. That power will be able to move us, direct us, upholds us in all that we are and in all that we do. It's the same with prayers. God's got no hands and feet to answer our prayers. So the only way God can answer those prayers is by people who have got that awareness, who can be moved by that power, be moved into the path from the place of that person asking the prayer, or the person who's asking the prayer being able to be moved by that power into the path of the person who can help them. I'll just share another little story with you because it's part of what we're speaking about. I was driving along with Gordon Higginson in the car and I was telling him how I slept with an axe under my bed. And he said, you sleep with an axe under your bed? He said, that's a little bit silly. Why do you do that? I said, well, my home is burgled and I'm scared of it happening again and happening particularly if I'm at home in bed asleep at night time. And he says, Paul, you are silly. He says, do you not realise how well protected you are? Nothing untoward will ever happen to you in life. I thought, fantastic, cancel all my life insurance, take out extra pension. And then he added, and I, I'd never told him this, he said, and even in your car. And he didn't know that I'd always got this fear that I would die in a car accident because my father did, my grandmother did, a couple of close friends did. And uh, I thought, well, this is wonderful. Nothing going towards going to help um, happen to me. So when I arrived home, I, I was thinking about it. So I sat and I thought, and I said to the spirit world, that's very nice, all very well for me, but why me and not everybody else? 
I'm no more important, I'm no more special than anybody else. And the answer I got back from the Spirit was, we try to do the same for everyone, but we are limited by you as individuals on how much we can influence you through the power. So that what the Spirit will can do for me can do for you and everybody else if we awaken that power and have that relationship with it. Oh, it's a great story. I'm starting to get teared up. I grew up... Um going to Catholic school, Catholic church. Same here, yes. Never, even now, today's my birthday, uh, 54, have not developed that relationship with God. And I got this image that I've had this silent friend walking by my life, in my life, by my side the whole time, always here, always ready. And it really is as simple as just asking. That's right. You know, it, 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 it's uh, sometimes, you know, some, some of the students say to me, Paul, you know, you seem to be able to stay out your conscious mind quite easily when you're working with the spirit world and, and be able to stay with the spirit. I said, yes, because I'm not doing anything unnatural. When I'm living my everyday life, I'm experiencing it not just with my conscious mind, but with, with my soul and the ingredients within the soul. So I'm, I'm not doing anything different. That makes sense. It makes sense. And it's simple. And then as a yeah. medium, let me just back up a little. I took had taken a mediumship course, a weekend course. And this was on, when I was on my journey from skeptic to see if there really is anything in this afterlife business. Because I, I started this journey with a huge fear of dying, which led me on it. So I met a medium, attended a weekend course, and out of my own mind came up with some very accurate information, which totally stunned me. But unfortunately, you know, I didn't know any better. At the end of the weekend, she gave me a document that I was now a certified medium and I can go charge $150 an hour and and do this, which I knew in my core is not right. But it was things where you have to tell the person um, how the person died. You know, there was all these facts and figures you had to give. And you're saying it's just as easy. You want to tell the story of that person. That's true. You know, I mean, I, I had I had a group of students um, take um, qualification, got assessed for some qualifications recently, and some of them failed because they didn't tick all the boxes on the shopping list. But I'd rather have their mediumship than the mediums who do all the shopping list. Mm-hmm. There's no love in the shopping list. That's right. You see, as a, as somebody listening to a contact and as the medium. We cannot judge what is good evidence or not. Again, I'll just give you a little story. It's one of my favourite ones. I've been seeing this lady for, I've given her several several private sittings. Uh, her daughter was in the spirit world. And, uh, and she says to me, Paul, she says, um, you know, uh, my husband is just falling apart and we can't do anything with him. Would you see him for me? I said, yes, I will. And he came, she brought him, and uh, no, because I'd given several sittings already to the wife, I was like searching for what evidence I can get differently. I was trying to find the most practical evidence, strongest evidence I could to convince him, and it was just, and I thought, I'm not succeeding here at all. So I just said to the daughter, I said, is there something else you'd like to give before we bring the sitting to the close? And she gave me something, and I said to the father, I said, I want to say some words from your daughter to you. They're not evidence. I cannot prove them. But she just simply wants to say, you're the best father in the world, and she wouldn't change you for anything. And he just absolutely broke down. And I turned to the wife, I said, what have I said? What have I done? She says, Paul, you don't realise the last time we saw her before she got killed in the accident, we told her he wasn't her real father. And a reply back to him was, You're the best father in the spirit, um, in the, and the best father in the world. I wouldn't change you for anything. That was their last word, their last conversation. And there's me saying, It's not evidence. And then if you'd been listening in a demonstration, you'd have thought I was just being all sweet, love, and light. Not evidence. The father couldn't have heard anything better. You know. Uh, you know, uh, one in a demonstration, I knew this young girl, she only looked about 16, 17, 18 at the most, and I knew she was going to have a contact, but I wasn't going to force it, and it was the last contact, and I went to her, 
And I said, you've listened to the contacts I've given this evening. I'm not going to be giving all that type of information to you. I just want you to know your father's here. He walked through the front door. He never came back and it wasn't your fault. Didn't give her anything else. She didn't need anything else. She was in absolute tears. The whole room was in tears. There was nothing else needed to be said. So this is what we've got to be careful of as teachers in this controlling and uh, this limitation of what the spirit world wants to express. Yes, we do have to give up techniques and structure to present it in a certain way. But really, there's got to be that surrender of what they want to bring and what we're capable of receiving. They know. They know us inside out. And your job is to relay the information, not critique it and say, no, how could I say this? That's right. Yeah. And some That's mediums, and I I don't know if this is good or not, but some people will see a balloon and that means a holiday. There's a lot of symbolism in that they use. And it bothers me as watching it. Can you speak a little about that? I'll be honest with you. I mean, I'm not always popular with with some of my colleagues, to be truthful, uh, even from the Art of Inner College, um, because, you know, I, I stick strongly for what I believe in. Uh, you know, I've got 30 odd years experience. I was um, was um, I was about and with the best of the day at the time, the early of my journey. And symbology is important, and there's different types of symbology. But I often see symbology used as an excuse to cover up being wrong. Yeah, you know, so they might say, um, show you a railway track, and they say, oh, um, your father works on the railway lines. No. Oh, oh then um, it's symbolic then, and they want to say you've got to stay on track. Oh, you no. Know? Um, and, and you see, the trouble is, you know, even though I do use symbology, I use it in two ways. One where they will sometimes get practical evidence of through a symbolic object, like they might show me, um, um, say, one, they show me a jar of Robinson jam uh, because they wanted to get the name of Robinson across. Uh, I can remember being in Italy and I was giving a lady contact from her husband, uh, sorry, from her father, and it was being accepted. And then all of a sudden I saw this horse and I could have easily made the mistake of saying, oh, it's a symbol of strength. Oh, your father had a horse. And I didn't. I said to the translator, uh, what's the word for horse in Italian? And she said, um, cavalier. So I said to the recipient, your father connected two people by the name of Cavalier. And she says, that's our family name. Oh. So there is symbolic, but it has to be an evidential, practical way. Then what the spirit world will do for me sometimes, they will bring me clairvoyant evidence, which is evidence of the communicator, which then I can use symbolic to lead me into the message. So um, say I gave a young man a contact from his um, grandfather, I spoke about the silver coin that was mint condition in a presentation box that he had belonging to his grandfather. And then the spirit will then, which he accepted and acknowledged, then the spirit will want you to use that to lead me into the message that they'd come to speak and help him about his financial situations. Yeah. Um, then, the, you know, then, okay, you've got to be experienced enough in mind to do this. They will give me some weird and wonderful ones. You know, they might give me things. Uh, I remember all I could see was I was watching a movie, King Kong, the film. Yeah. And I could see King Kong hanging from the Empire State Building and uh, holding the lady in his hand. And I said that I, I want somebody here, a lady in the audience here, who links with the name of King. And this lady put her hand up and I said, you have a, a, a ex-boyfriend, partner, lover in the spirit world. Yes. I said, you spent time in New York, in Manhattan with each other. Yes. He was in the film industry. Yes. All from that one picture. So that's symbolic, you know, in a way, but it's still factual evidence. But it's when this symbology, um, you've, it, it's like you can sometimes get something. Um, so there are times, there's quite often I, I will get uh, a stained glass. I know this, I've got this stained glass window from my church, uh, the Good Shepherd. 
which is really Jesus with the lambs, yeah, uh, which is symbolising the little children. So sometimes they will give me that to tell me that there's a child in the spirit world, a small child, not a miscarriage, but a child that actually touched the earth that didn't stay. But every time I have that come, it, it doesn't always mean that. So I have to not presume it's automatically going to mean that. At other times, it could be purely a stained glass window. Um, it could be simply um, the psalm, the twenty, uh, the good shepherds. Um, so, you know, you've got to be careful of having one symbol that means the same thing every time. Um, I can, I've had two different occasions when they're showing me the picture of Dracula, but I didn't give the same evidence. So uh, the one was a lady from um, Holland, and um, her husband was communicating. And um, from the image of Dracula, I was drawn to two particular points um, where Dracula was from and the blood clots on the neck. So I said, your husband died with blood clotting. Yes. I said, your husband also had links, this was in Holland, to Romania. And she said, my husband was Romanian. Then on another time in Italy, I've got this, all I've got kept seeing was like this movie, Dracula in his coffin, and somebody putting the stake through his heart. And I thought, what the hell am I going to do with this? I couldn't get nothing else. I said, right, who are you? Where do you want to go? I'd got dad. I know it was a young man on the back row. I said, your father's in the spirit world. Yes. I said, your father died in his sleep in bed with a heart attack. Yes. I said, your father in some way was involved with films. Yes, my father worked at the cinema. And then it was as if I'd got the stake and hammer in my hand and I wanted to start chiseling. I said, and in your spare time, your father used to make sculptures and you've got one that is only half finished that belonged to him. So you see what you've got to realise, it, it is like learning another language. Um, there is a shorthand. And I also teach that the spirit world will often give you as little as possible to give you as much as possible. But I understand the point where you were coming from. So, so I want to get across symbology is important, but we can't use it in this silly way of being a cover for an excuse for being wrong. You know, the spirit world aren't going to go all that trouble um, and the difficulty for you to manifest this clairvoyant picture just to be symbolic for personality and character. It doesn't make sense. It's easier just to feel and sense the personality and character. And then we've got to just make sure that we're not too closed mind and try and use that symbol as the same thing every time. I know there's a lot of people do that. I would that I would break that habit if I if I got that in my mediumship, I'd want to break that. Paul, I am thinking too, there are people that have taken home study courses in mediumship, done like a weekend course like I have may not know any better. And I love having this conversation because I believe, especially in this time of the world, there's a lot of grief, there's a lot of pain, there's a lot of death. Mediums want to be the best they can be. And so I think it's a real privilege that we all get to meet you right now. But can you talk a little bit between the difference between psychic information and mediumistic? Because I've seen mediums that will give a piece of information that they could have just picked up psychically and that doesn't necessarily mean the loved one is there. So I don't know if all practicing mediums really know the difference of, by what they're getting. That, that, that's right. And, and in the beginning, you won't. Um, so you need to trust and, and express and let the results speak for itself. You know, so when I'm taking newer students, you know, I'll say to them, don't all stay there, standing there saying nothing. Um and holding on and dissecting, is it me? Is it my own mind? Is it my imagination? Is it psychic? Is it the spirit will? Because it will just destroy it and it will not build. So let's express it, okay? And don't worry whether it's wrong or not. And actually, that's what holds people's mediumship back more than anything else, scared of being wrong and somebody saying no. So I said, then express it and let's see if it's evidence of somebody in another world or whether it's information that fits the life of one of the recipients in the group. And if it's neither of those, then we have to just be honest and proud of, okay, it was our own mind or imagination at this particular time, and it's not a problem. And it's only by going through that process 
you know, if we, you know, I'd have to say to students, you know, you come to these um, workshops, seminars, classes, I said, and you want 100%? What other subject, when you go to a class to learn a subject, do you get 100% from day one? It's not possible. So, so why should this be any different? And, and, you know, the more experienced ones who come to me, I say, I don't want you to get it wrong. I, mean, I don't want you to get it all right. I can't teach you anything. I said, you know, uh, I can I can teach you more from you getting it wrong. And, you know, and I, and I always say to the students, you know, you've got to learn in the classroom with everything that causes it to go wrong and causes a no, because then when you're in the real situation, if you've not had the experience or dealt with it in the classroom, you're not going to know how to deal with it in the real situation. So embrace the no's. You know, sometimes when I'm demonstrating, if a recipient is like, in whether to answer me, give me a yes or no, I'll say, just say no to me and I can work. Easy as that. Yeah, I can work. But you see, but if I sit there, oh, well, uh, 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 then the longer I'm not communicating, expressing, then I'll come away from the spirit. So I have to keep the power and the energy moving and going and that blending. So if there's that stillness and silence and waiting, you come away. So I'd rather have the answer back, no, and then when I get the no back, I then know from that no as I feel and experience the no what I've got to do. It's either I am right and I've got to jog the memory. I may be, I'm right with the evidence, but it's not their father, it's their grandfather. Or I might say, ah, Thank you for the no for being honest. It's actually not for you. It's for the person there. Can I move there? <laughs> yeah. So with but with um, back to psychic with mediumship and, and mediumship. So we're all souls. So psychically, you can pick up energy and things from somebody's life. Whereas That's mediumistically, right. you're actually connecting with the soul of someone who's no longer That's living. That's right. So, you know, I say to my students, you know, it works. It works. The, the difficulty I have, it works exactly the same. Why? So on a psychic level, it's my soul blending with, say, if you're the recipient, my soul blending with your soul, experiencing and taking. Yes? So when it comes mediumistically, then it's simply the same process, but then it's simply my soul, and then I move it, then you're just moving it up again, and my soul blending with a soul that's discarded the physical body but what i advise my students to do when they're working when you're working psychically fine you can have all your focus up front on your recipient but if you're supposed to be working mediumistically and you put 100 percent focus on speaking to your recipient you'll find that you know there'll be a greater percentage psychic and even some of the things about the communicator from the spirit world they'll be coming psychically so i always say to my students when i yes i've got to look at you because i'm working it's got to be personal but i'm only putting part of my attention i'm putting the other half of my awareness with the communicator to the side and behind and that keeps me a better hold there with the mediumistic level and also with students i'll say to them you know it's nice bringing back Often you hear them bringing these like general shared memories between the. I said, you know, it's not wrong to do that, but why not give information about the communicator as an individual first, then share memories? Because if they are memories the recipients got of doing with the person, we can pick that up psychically as well. And what we've got to realise is because our mediumship works through the psychic faculty on a sitting basis we're sitting that much our psychic faculty is open for the mediumship we're sitting in the energy field of each other so close that it's so easy to go in and this is why i always prefer uh, you know even even if i start off with my evidence through clairvoyance i first of all when i begin the contact with the spirit world i get that soul to soul blending to feel the essence of that person with me, which I won't get if I'm working on a psychic level. Right. right. From the sitter's point of view, and I know we've got a lot of mediums watching this and a lot of people that have been to mediums. As a medium, what do you want to hear from us? Just yes, no, or I don't know? 
because I've heard mediums say I've got an M name, I've got a man male energy. Who am I talking about? I've had well, first of all, I want to lend I want to lend my students to say the word energy or figure on the end of a relationship or just on the end of a relationship. Um, you know, what if you go to somebody who's really grieving? Oh, I've got a father energy here. I wouldn't, if I, I wouldn't want somebody to do that. And I wouldn't want to put my hand up and fight with half a dozen other people. I'd like somebody to come say, uh, oh, I've got dad here. Oh, can I come to you? Your father's here. He's in the spirit. Isn't that much nicer and, and, and personal, you know? Um, and then they give you a choice of, oh, it's a mother-grandmother figure. Ugh, horrible. Um, you know, and I say to students, you know, you're in the classroom. Go for one or the other, your first impression. And if it's wrong, it's wrong. And if it turns out it's the grandmother instead of the mother, fine, not a problem. You know, and especially, you know, you know, if they're doing this throw-out style, which we all do to a degree, I, it's not my favourite, um, you know, and you throw out, oh, I've got a, a, a male figure here or a mother-grandmother figure, it's widening the possibilities who can take the contact. You know, so it makes you question, really... We don't have enough discipline. You know, again, you know, there's a lot of students who won't come to me because of my discipline, okay? It's not where I want to give them that is, is on that on hard. Um, if they're truly mediumistic, those students have the potential, there should be no problem being able to develop and unfold what I'm teaching. But unfortunately, uh, whether this offends any, if any people who are teaching or listening, there's too many teachers want to be sweet and nice and tell the students everything they think they're doing is wonderful just to be in the pop popularity stakes and fill the seats, you know. Right. You know, I'd rather only six students sign up for a course but want to learn properly and develop properly and I can be honest with them and work with them in an honest and straight way and not have to be the kindergarten teacher, the psychologist, um, the therapist, um, you know, I'm there to teach and train mediums to, to the best possible ability, you know. Um, but, you know, there's, but there's a lot of teachers that just tell you everything you do is lovely, sweet and wonderful, you know. Um, you know, and often now there's these great big groups in courses and the teacher don't listen to what you're doing. There's too many students to listen. Mm -hmm. You know, even if I, you know, when I, when I have a group, even when they've done the one-to-one, I want to go through, I go through with each student what's happened because you'll find a lot of the time the student hasn't understood or have not done what you asked them to do. So I need to know what's happened and what's gone on. Uh, so, you know, um, there's got, you know, it's, it's no wonder that, you know, we're not producing enough. There are, there is quality out there. Don't get me wrong. Okay. But we're not producing enough. That's what's needed out there. And what's the sad thing is, there is enough people with the quality potential. But if they're not trained and taught correctly, they're not going to reach that potential. So if you've got the ability, if you've got the mediumistic potential, okay, and I have, all right. So, for example, so God or the spirit world is not going to say, right, I need two new mediums. I'm going to um, choose Paul and um, I like Paul, um, so I'm going to give him a good ability. I need a second one, so I think I'll choose Sandra, but I'm not so keen on Sandra, so um, I'll give her the ability, but it's not going to be as good as Paul. It doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. It's how you develop it and train it. Can you see that? It's either there or it's not, and if it is, the difference in the quality is in how you developed it, how you've trained it, and then also your intent and motive in why you're working with it, and why you're using it, and what you're doing with it. Mm -hmm. And developing that relationship with God or whatever you wish to call that yeah. is will let you know. I mean, some mm -hmm. people are meant to be beautiful gardeners and poets and this and that, but that's there will be this calling of the soul. You, you know, you know, an artist, a musician, a gardener, uh, that th they can touch and bring a difference to somebody's soul just as much as a medium. You know, we're not going to get any extra points when we get to heaven because we've been a medium. Um, probably less, you know. Um, you know, we want people to be, in, you can inspire people from all aspects out of life. You know, um, I, I can remember a good friend of mine, she passed uh, um, three years ago she was 99 when she passed 
and um, she um, was at the church for over 50 years. She was the um, church healing receptionist. She was the church um, treasurer. She was the church organist. And um, after um, um, after 50, uh, after no, around right just before the 50 years, she says to me, Paul, I'm tired. Do you, th- do you think I've done enough to pay God back? the healing I had from Gordon because when she was 40 she had cancer and she went to the church for healing yeah and Gordon um, it's in Gordon Higginson's book um, he was doing a lecture and um, Marjorie my friend's name was Marjorie sitting on the front row and he says you see Marjorie will never be a medium and um, and a face sort of like um, didn't like him saying that publicly but then he turned to everybody and looked at everybody. He says, but, oh, she does love God so much. Oh. You know, and so, you know, she served the spirit world probably far more than many mediums did by being the healing receptionist, you know, by being the organist at the church, by looking after all the finances for the church, okay. helping the fundraising events. She's not less a spiritual than a medium. She's probably more because she gave it freely and she did it in thanks for what she'd received from God through the power of the Spirit in the healing. Oh, I feel the same way just what I'm doing. And, yes, I like to That's dabble right. and take courses, but I love this. I feel so much joy and I get mm-hmm. to serve and share. I love to That's share. So what you're doing, Sandra, is just as important as in, in, in any medium because, you know, it, it is through people like you or people who organise my practical courses everywhere, without you, we couldn't do our work, you know. So, you know, we, we wouldn't be able to do anything with our mediumship if we, and, and our experiences, our knowledge, our understanding. If we hadn't got people like you, that helps us and creates opportunities for us to be able to express it and, and share and touch other people. And in return, I get so much joy and love, and it's great. And I can still explore what I want to explore. Uh, back to being a sitter, is it okay as a sitter to just say yes, no, or I don't know? Yeah, it is. I think particularly in a demonstration that's important, okay, mm-hmm. uh, because you haven't got the time because uh, you want to reach as many as you can and you don't want to get too involved in too big a conversations. And sometimes they want to add what I've already got the next piece of evidence. And they can then, if I don't make them just say yes or no, they then go and tell me what the next piece is right. as the medium. So then it's not evidence because they've expressed it rather than me. Um, occasionally in a sitting, I might let them say a little bit more, but um, but not until I've established the communicator, you know, um, because you don't want them leading you, you know. I know a lot of parents who um, come... Um, um, I used to work for two organisations, one in Italy and one in Germany, which was just purely for people who'd lost children. And, and they used to, the first thing that a lot of them wanted to do was to give you a photograph of them. And they used to say, no, because that will influence my mind a little bit too much. And I can read the photograph psychically. Um, so put your photograph away. And afterwards, I'd be more than happy to have a look at the picture of your child after I'm within your sitting. You know? Yeah, that's great. Because I know I've been in sittings where there's so much information and I can't help but tell the medium, this is why this was important that you said that. So it, it comes out. I also want to ask too, um, in the course of mediumship, it's not an overnight weekend kind of thing that you can just get it all. You'd, you'd said in the beginning talking about training people in awareness first, and that's how you started. I would think one really needs to sit with their own soul that's for right. the next step. So we shouldn't be in too much of a hurry. Or if we're already practicing medium, we can still do a practice to be the best we can be connecting with our own soul. Correct? That's right. You know, and, and, and you know, sometimes there's no... There's no need to keep having to be with a teacher for everything all the time, you know. So in my early time, you know, I sat with a, a small group of um, four other people um, for this just going within my own soul. And then I would then do it every day on my own. And then it was about 12 months. And then Gordon Higginson said, you're now ready to begin. Um 
you know. So, and then even e- e- even with courses, you know, there, there are people who come to the Arthur Finley College and they come quite red, you know, several times a year. And I'll say to them, you know, well, what have you done since you came last time? Nothing. I said, well, it's going to be starting from the beginning again. And this, a lot of people come on courses, then what the, you've given them, they've done nothing with in the in-between time, so them coming back, you know. And sometimes you can do too many courses. I only used to do two courses a year. But what I would do is take what I'd learned from that course back to my personal development circle and then go back six months later to see how I'd incorporated it and what stage was next for me or what was my weaknesses, what was my, my strengths. And then also, you know, Every every teacher is not. I'm not going to be the right teacher for everybody. No teacher is okay, and not every student's going to be the right for us. Um, every teacher has got something to offer. Um, so, but I think in the beginning, yes, you maybe need to experience one or two, a few different ones. Um, but I think there's got to come a point where if you keep running to too many different teachers do too many courses with too many different teachers, you end up in a confused state of this. You know, it's like I might be at the college in Sunstead and I often there I take the advanced groups or the professional groups and mediums and I'll say, and I'll say you know, that's not good what you're doing. And yes, but the last time we came here, we were told to do that. And I said, well, in my eyes, it's not good. It's up to you. You've got to make up your own mind. I said, this way, try my way, take it home, digest it, and then decide whether my way will enhance your mediumship more or you want to go back to what you were given last time. It's your choice. But then I always ask, but don't just choose the easy option. Exactly. Okay. So, you know, and we're going to struggle. We're going to have difficulty. Even as a, a professional medium for 30 years, I'll still have my contacts I'll struggle with. I'll still have a sitting. I might still have a sitting. I think I've scraped the barrel. I might have, wow, that was fantastic. Yeah, that was okay. And there might even be the odd one. I'm saying, look, it's obviously, it's not working. Or I'm not happy with it. Or it's obvious you're not happy. Let's call it a day. Um, I'll arrange another time for you. Or arrange one with the colleague. And let's be honest, you know. Um, because with this, there's no guarantee. We never know from one contact, one sitting, one demonstration to the next on to how it's going to be. You know, and there's so many ingredients. You know, not all the communicators are good communicators. I never know from one to the next how receptive I'm going to be at that time. And also, um, the recipient or the audience can make a difference as well. So I always say for it to really work well, it needs all three to play their part correctly. Do you do private sittings online or tutoring online i'm just thinking <coughs> i don't know when people are watching this but right. um, i'll be honest with you these are I, I don't do um it's not very often i do sittings there because my, my mind work is is teaching now yes. i mean for many years it was private sittings um um not saying I don't do them. No, I sometimes get too many people want to sit in with me who just want one for the sake of it. Right, um, right. You know, so here when I'm home, I, you know, if somebody's really in need, then yes, I'll, I'll, I'll do a sitting. Um, I've, I've fought against doing online teaching. And, and then just before this lockdown, because there, there was a lady from America kept been really driving me mad for two years. Paul, please do some online courses. I said, no, I'm not into it. I'm not into technology. It's not for me. So just before the lockdown, we we tried a, a workshop and um, I actually quite enjoyed it and it went it went quite quite well. So I am now uh, <clears throat> doing some series of workshops um, where they're I'm doing five hour workshops. You know, because if you, if you've only got an hour and a half, you know, session, which a lot are doing. Yeah, it is very difficult. Um, so I'm doing these five-hour sessions, okay, where, say, like, for instance, I'm doing one on how to work with the clairvoyant imagery, um, one um, developing um, and being within the power um, of the spirit and the communicator and the um, the emotion of the communicator. Uh, another one which I love, which Gordon Higginson always said everybody should learn, is the colour of the soul and be able to understand colour. It's an important part of our work as a as a medium, you know. So those are the ones I'm, I'm particularly 
doing just at the moment. Oh, I love that you're doing it. And, you know, I, I'm doing the same thing with courses from home because we're recording this during the COVID-19 pandemic. And it's important. And I think what will happen is more people, this information will be available. And I also know we can get this information through your Facebook page and on yes. your website. And it's exciting because you'll touch more lives than you would not normally. And I also sure. get spending your time, say it's an hour teaching a group versus an hour doing a one-on-one -on -one sitting. You can impact people that can then impact more people. So I love that you, I, mean, I really appreciate on behalf of humanity, what you're doing that way teaching. What are you most passionate about right now, Paul? Um, actually, the, the, I mean, really the teaching has been, I would never want to stop demonstrating, whether that's ego or not, I don't know, but I, I love, mm -hmm. I, love, love working, I love working with an audience and the bigger the audience, the better. Um, you know, it's like, um, a lot of people, when they first begin demonstrating, they begin with like just a very small audience. But because it was Gordon Higginson who took me out for my first demonstrations, my first demonstrations were to two, three, four hundred people. Wow. So, um, because, you know, everywhere he went was absolutely packed out with people, you know, and that were my first demonstrations, you know. So, um, and those big demonstrations, can you know just exactly where you're going to go? or and You might not get the exact person. You know the very small area. Wow. I think the largest I did was a theatre um, um, in my home, old hometown in England. Uh, there was 1,300 people. And my first contact, I knew I'd got a father and a brother, uh, I'd got a name, but I didn't know whether the name was the fathers or the brothers. And then I said, I want to come up onto the um, the balcony, the first balcony, on the right-hand bend on the front row. And that was correct. The second contact, I said, I know I've got father, wants to speak to his son, John, and I know I'm going into the back row of the stalls. Yeah, so. That's great. That really is great. It, and it, from seeing you work, it's so wonderful because it not only brings a lot of joy, but how much, how many specifics that you can bring in, and you really take the time to work with the communicator and bring, right. bring them forward. That's right. But I think what we've got to be careful of, and I, I had to be careful of, was I was sort of like got through a stage where I was after this like practical information all the time, mm -hmm. and I had to change that because some people don't need so much practical evidence. They need the more the emotional evidence. So what I try to do and I teach the students is that we bring both elements and then hopefully we'll touch on the need of the uh, recipient and the communicator. So depending on which emotional evidence and practical evidence will um, should be decided not by us as the medium, but if we can bring both in and then I don't decide which comes first, the spirit will do. So if I start with the emotional side, then I work with that, but then that tells me to be too general to start with, to throw out. So I need to do relationship and direction. And then as I've worked with that, add the practical in through the clairvoyance, clairaudience. Or if I get the clairvoyance, clairaudience first, which is practical enough, if I don't know my relationship or direction, it's normally strong enough to throw out, and then once I'm with the right recipients and that's understood, I can then bring in the emotional aspect. Oh, that's really great. Do you? Ha I, I know, because I've been to your website, that you have many upcoming things. You travel the world, and I love that about you. Do you have anything upcoming you want to share and invite people to? I know <laughs> times are a little uncertain. It's a little bit difficult. To, so you may uh, not. Um, at the moment, so... Really like it's unsure with the courses I have in, you know, um, I've got three courses in um, Denver's now been cancelled in um, in the summer, but I'm there later on in the year. Um, should be in Los Angeles, Sacramento in the summer. We don't know whether they're going ahead. I suppose it's been Sweden the end of May, um, Dublin. Um, I go to um, Chicago, uh, Journey Within in New Jersey, um, Janet Ivick's Church. Um, I'm there doing a seminar and teaching there. Uh, so, so I'm going to many different oh, – I'm going to um, Chicago, Vancouver, England, uh, here in Germany at the Hands of Spirit. I'm all over the place. I have no uh, 
No worries. Whenever I'm invited, I go. <laughs> You're a man of the world. Well, in just a minute, Paul, I'm going to ask you for some closing words and maybe some closing inspiration to leave people with. But I want to make a just a couple of announcements for our listener or viewer right now. Our home base for this show is WeDon'tDieRadio.com, where there's now 337 episodes. And if you didn't believe in life after death before, you certainly will. And while you're there, you can join what I call my Insiders Club. It's really just my email list. And you can get a free copy of my book, We Don't Die. And you can also get a very healing audio called How to Survive Grief. We're dealing with some tough times right now. And people don't realize that staying at home and not having the life that you're used to living can cause the grieving process. And it gives you some really good tools to help move through that. We also have on Facebook, We Don't Die listeners and it's a group of over 5,000 people that you can talk to about what we talk about here um, afterlife grief living life living life powerfully because I don't know about you but me I don't have people that I see on a day-to-day basis that I can talk to about this we also have some really great free online courses coming up some paid for courses but some really great things we've created so you can go to we don't die radio click on live events to find out more about that. And now we're going to go back to Paul and your website. Let me just get this right is mediumpauljacobs.com. That's correct. And on Facebook, you can type in Paul spiritual Mm -hmm. medium. And there's all kinds of great interviews that you've been on and things that you're up to and things that you're doing. But I'm going to turn it over to you. Just maybe some final thoughts, closing words, whatever the spirit moves you to say just before we end the episode. I know it's difficult for many of us to fully comprehend and understand that in reality, the physical is the illusion and the spirit is the reality and that is eternal. And if within our own souls and consciousness, we can grasp and live that reality, those difficulties and pain, whether it's grief, health or this material life um, that affect us, would not have the effect if we could accept that reality. Because if we look at this life journey in the earthly world, that it is only a grain of sand in a desert to our total experience of eternal life and expression of the spirit. And if we could live that reality, accept that reality, then you would find that this life, whatever came out our way, we'd always have the strength and the power to carry us, move us, and live and enjoy whatever's happened to us, the experience of life and the expression of the spirit and the eternal soul. Oh, thank you. Paul, on behalf of myself and everyone who is watching this right now or listening, thank you, not only for being our guest today, but for being who you are for not only this world we live in, but the unseen world and helping so many people connect with their loved ones, giving people as a, as a tutor, the education and to be able to set them free to be mediums for other people. Just really thankful and thankful. Uh, My joy and pleasure to do. Yeah, really great. For our listener, thank you, or our viewer, thank you for taking the time to be here. You are so much more than you could even believe. We, we all are. You're very special. You are loved. You're very important. So in closing, my name is Sandra Champlain, and I'm always so happy that I get to be your host on We Don't Die Radio. I do believe that life is an education for the soul and that your life here is important. So I ask today, every day, Talk to that invisible friend. Ask that God is right there within each and every one of us. So I will take on that practice too, okay? So thank you for listening or for watching, and we'll see you soon.